spirit of revolt against tradition and uh, belief in spontaneous freedom of expression. This significant art movement is known as Abstract Expressionism. Now, Abstract Expressionism is kind of hard to define, but it's basically an attempt by the artist to convey meaning or feeling in an abstract way. So the artists didn't worry about whether they were painting familiar subject matter, like the kinds of things you'd see in the world around you. They paint, well, abstract things on a, a huge canvas, which itself was a break from traditional technique. And it was common among artists to apply the paint to the canvas very rapidly and with great force. So let's look at the work of the most famous American abstract expressionist, Jackson Pollock. There was nothing in Jackson Pollock's training as an artist that suggested he would come to be seen as some sort of artistic revolutionary. In the 1930s, he studied drawing and painting at the Art Students League, a popular art school in New York City. What he did later, in the 1940s, was a startling innovation. Jackson Pollock used a technique, the so-called pour-and-drip technique, for which he is best known. He didn't use the traditional easel. He laid his wall-sized canvas flat on the floor so he could move around it and work it from all sides. Then he poured and dripped his paint onto the canvas without touching it with a brush. Just poured and dripped. <laughs> now, the physical movements involved in Pollock's painting technique have led people to call it action painting, which almost suggests that the process of creating the painting physically was at least as important as the end product itself. In fact, people used to watch him work in his studio, dripping and pouring paint and other materials onto his canvases. This could make you think of Pollock's work as being kind of like wild or chaotic or random. But the truth is that Pollock was in complete control of his materials and his paintings. Pollock's pour and drip works were quite revolutionary, and at first they shocked the art world. Pollock used massive canvases. They seem more like portable murals than anything else. A good example of his technique is the painting Autumn Rhythm, which Pollock painted in 1950. Autumn Rhythm, at first glance, looks like basically just a whole lot of squiggly lines. Rather bizarre, just like a, a bunch of pointless drips and swirls. But if you look closely, you see why it's so admired. Beneath all the apparent chaos, there's really a very definite structure of lines, rhythms, and sensations that makes the whole piece work. Sheer randomness would not be nearly as visually appealing as this painting is. You need some structure, even if it's not readily apparent. I've read some articles by other scholars who've, in their discussion of Pollock, uh, some of them like to point out that he painted his canvases while looking down at them, since they were on the ground, as I said. But when we go to a museum, they're up on a wall. They think this is significant because it makes our perspective different. But I mean, well, think of photography. We've all seen photos of the sky, the ground, meaning that the photographer was shooting from different angles. Does that mean that we should put a photo of the sky on the ceiling? Of course not. It wouldn't matter if you're looking at it on a wall or in a photo album on your lap. And, and I think it's the same with Pollock. It doesn't matter from which angle we view his paintings. 
It's okay that he painted on the floor, and we look at it on the wall. But in spite of his work being shocking and even misunderstood at first, Pollock's work became so influential in the development of abstract expressionism that the artistic community started to shift its attention from Paris, which had been the center of the art world, to New York, where Pollock lived and worked. So Pollock's breakthrough work helped move the focus of contemporary art, and that's one of the measures of his greatness, really. But check this out. This is about Jackson Pollock. This is about how he painted and how he ultimately shifted perspective and what people believed and attention from Paris to New York. Although that's a really small detail, but this is about Jackson Pollock abstract expressionism, right? So here we go. Yeah. Oh my. Why does the professor discuss Jackson Pollock? Well, because they're in a fucking art class. What kind of a fucking question is that? Okay, here we go. To point out now, what we're going to do, we're going to go to what we wrote about Jackson Pollock. Why did the professor mention Jackson Pollock for the first time? Well, the thing is, it was about abstract expressionism. And he was the one that ended up becoming a uh, revolutionary. Yeah. Right? He revolutionized everything. So here we go. To point out a common misconception about abstract expressionism. No, I don't believe so. B, to help students understand the nature of abstract expressionism. That's pretty good. Yeah, you see, both me and you were like, yeah, it's synchronicity, okay? C, to compare Pollock's technique to that of other. No, there were no others. To defend him, no. B. Let's go, senorita, we could do it. All right, so let's go. Number two, what point does the professor make about Jackson Pollock's training as an artist? Training? Well, he developed his own technique. Yeah, it contrasts with the type of art he later created. It taught him how to paint using conventional methods. It, it was very different from the type of training most artists received. It motivated him to rebel against art. Last C. C. No. C. It taught him how to. Oh, babes, it contrasted with the type of art he later created. Hold on, what? Let me say that again. It contrasted with the type of art he lit. How did it contrast? No. No. I wrote nothing in regards to contrast. He used the unconventional way. Yeah, to paint. C is the answer. Yeah, that was total ass. C is the answer. B, it. where do I see? I didn't write down contrast. Whatever he started, that technique is what he ended up doing. So how the fuck did it contrast the type of art that... He later created. Maybe he created that type of art. Okay, so maybe... It would have become seen as revolutionary. But it was art in New York later, he innovated it. Uh, I still don't really like it. Although it kind of makes sense. C is still a better answer. Good fucking job, China. All right, let's keep it going. 
What were the, yeah, that was a little weird. I'm sorry. What were the two features of Jackson Pollock's painting technique? Aha. Now you remember, painted canvas, but like it was on the floor. Right here. That's then, right. He did not he use had... walls. So B, he, yep. He B and C. He applied by pouring and dripping. Yep, B and C. Easy. B and C. All good. It had nothing to do with visitors, right? Because we're looking oh. at this specific area right here, which I highlighted. That's the only area that we're looking at. Yeah. Okay. But he has said the visitors <laughs> to go to his studio to paint, like to see how he paints. Mm. That was, was good. Like the B was good too. D. He allowed visitors to watch it, not help. No help, no help. <clears throat> right, right. So if you look right here, watch him work. Not help him work. No, no help him work. Yeah, there you go. Okay, okay. Not bad. All right, let's go to the next one. What is the professor's attitude toward the term action painting? I wrote that down. Action painting. People that, thought it was wild and chaotic, but to be honest, it gave them control. Shock the world, massive camp, action painting. Yeah, it has to be right here. Oh, here we go. Physical movements, action painting. There it is. Okay, physical movements is in the same highlighted area that I have. Physical movements, uh, movements action painting. It wasn't that. about just the end product. It was actually about the process. Okay. A, a, he thinks it correctly describes Pollock's painting technique. Yeah. He considers it less appropriate. No, it has nothing to do with appropriation. He believes that... Hey, it hey, well, you like C. He believes that it represents the sense of movement displayed in Pollock's paintings. Okay, so we're between A and C. You like C. I knew it. I knew it was A. I fucking knew it. I didn't even, like, like with C, I was like, yeah, A. He thinks it correctly describes Pollock's painting technique. But it's it almost, was it's, yeah, it's almost the same exact thing as C, too. It's almost what? the same exact thing as C. That's pretty cool, huh? Why he thinks it's correctly? To describe well if you look at c it says he believes that it represents the sense of movement it but he believes that it represents the sense of movement now is this about movement or is this about describing the technique of pollock i think that's what separates a from c because obviously we know it's a movement so how could it actually represent a sense of movement. We already know it's a movement. You see what I mean? Yeah. So that was a little tricky. That was a little tricky, Jennifer. That's okay. Don't cry. Don't cry. Okay, let's go to the next lady. Here we go. What feature of autumn rhythm? I wrote it right here. Okay, did you write that autumn rhythm? <laughs> it was a painting. It was the only painting that he mentioned. Anything that stands out. Autumn rhythm. Capital A, capital R. That is very important, and you should have made a heading out of that, too. 
Does the professor imply is rep? Yeah, 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 yeah. I did it. I, I did it. I did it. I did it. Yeah. Okay, so here we go. What details do you have of the autumn rhythm? Squiggly lines, bizarre. Good. What else? Cows and the structure, a structure of sensation. Looking down in the ground. <laughs> But yeah, paint canvas looking down. This okay, so here we go. Let's eliminate two bad answers. A and B. A, it says it symbolizes the passage of time. What the fuck does that mean? No, oh, <laughs> of, of emotions, it combines the structure. It has nothing to do with emotions. Wait. But it could be seen. Sensations. No, a lack of control of emotion. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yo, I don't like B. And then there's C and there's D. Well, tradition and innovation. They don't mention that. They don't mention tradition and innovation, so I would go with C. And you said it. You said structure and the appearance <laughs> of chaos. I wrote down randomness, chaos. Not as appealing, needs structure. These two lines right here. These two lines right here are the is the reason why I ended up choosing C as my answer. I would like to have an order in my notes. Is that sometimes I written like a test? Ah, you see, you see, so that's the problem with your notes. They're too random. You need more yeah. structure. <clears throat> because I knew exactly where autumn rhythm was. Because sometimes I'm Sometimes I'm focusing in the information that they say, not not in the like like about what they're gonna speak. You know, like I'm focusing like of what they say, but not like the bottom of the thing. I like that because I don't have time. That's why. Right. So you're focusing a little bit on the a different variation of it. That's actually very good. I like that. That is very good perspective. That is very good self-awareness. You're focusing on every individual word. You're not listening with intent. Uh. I, but I have to. But you have to. And that's exactly what I did. And this is why it's pretty easy for us, right? Instead of just writing, writing down a whole bunch of words and listening without intent, which is going to make it very difficult for you to answer questions and stuff like that, you're going to have to develop listening with intent. Yeah, but sometimes if I stop to think what the reading is saying, I'm going to put my own words. And I don't want my own words. I want the words that they're saying. So that's what I I try to write. Everything. Ah, I see. I see. Okay. Okay. All right. Photography. I have photography. I do too. Photos of the sky, different angles. Would it matter? It would not matter if you were looking at it differently. So why does the professor discuss photography? It was in regards to Jackson Pollock painting on the floor rather than uh -huh. on the wall. <clears throat> and so he said... Okay, but it, but would... it, looks, it looks like photography. So... But this important sentence that I wrote down, it wouldn't matter if you were looking at it differently. It's okay to paint on the floor and look at it on the wall. Now let's check the answers. To emphasize how different it is from painting, what? To make 